This podcast episode is brought to you by the Stephen Talkhouse. The Stephen Talkhouse is the East End's premier live music venue. To see their list of shows for this summer and more, visit stephentalkhouse.com. Welcome to Highly Educated, the podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Sherman, and tonight we have the one and only Josh Brussel. Josh Brussel is a local educator, musician, DJ, MC, basically a man of many hats. He's a science teacher at the East Hampton High School and also coaches the boys' volleyball team there. Josh is a guitarist and songwriter that plays private shows and venues all summer long across the East End. Whether it's a private wedding or a Saturday night at the Stephen Talkhouse, Russell warms your heart with his massive catalog of classic hits, new and old. His philosophy and mentality in the classroom towards being the captain of your own destiny is inspiring, and I think we could all just learn a thing or two. So without further ado, welcome Josh Brussel. Brussel, man, what's going on? How are we doing? I'm doing very nice. Very nice that I'm here. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm, I'm happy to have you here, man. It's a. It's been a. Been a long time coming. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, you're a busy guy. You're hard to track down with your eight different hats that you wear. Dude, it takes a long time to schedule <laughs> stuff. It's rough. We were, we were talking about it with your Google Calendar. It makes life easy. Yes, the the shared calendar with the wife, my boss, the boss, and the she boss. and it's not a uh, Google Calendar. You know that's that's serious. We're not we're not getting paid to sponsor this right now. This is legit. He is in, indebted to Google Calendar. It's oh, absolutely a, helps him out. It saved my life. A so Brussel is a Josh Brussel. Excuse me, some respect here. Um, is a educator, a musician, MC, professional juggler. I don't know. What other talents do you have? I mean, you have a lot of talents. I feel like there's, I'm, I'm missing other things. So professionally, it's education. I teach science at the high school. Right. You. East um, Hampton High School. Okay. Absolutely. And uh, I coach boys varsity volleyball there. i um, been coaching since I was there. And then uh, I'm a musician, so I play acoustically. I play with bands. I play for weddings. I picked up DJing because you got to hustle to live out in East Hampton. Um, it's <laughs> right. crazy. And then, uh, you know, if someone, anybody calls me up to like, Hey, I need, the, I just do it. My wife knows I volunteer at the food pantry in Springs. Um, you know, whatever I got, you got to keep yourself busy out here. That's, that's what I always tell people. They're like, you do a lot of stuff. I'm like, yeah, man, what look around it's winter time. What do you, what do you, besides you're going to go drink at a bar or go do something? What are you going to do? You got to keep yourself busy if you're going to, you know, and I don't drink, so I got to keep very right, busy. So you got to stay very busy. <laughs> if you don't even fill gap with that little space, you got to, you know, try even harder to Absolutely. stay busy out here. There's not a whole lot, you know, they have the ice skating rink. They have like a couple little things you can do, but there should be a lot more. There, you know? there, there's more than when, when I was, when I was in <laughs> high school, there's a whole lot more now. We used to uh, could tr- imagine turn the lights off in the house and have sock wars, throwing socks at each other. We used to just drive around and manhunt. Did they do the manhunt in your? We used in- to do manhunt. I did nice. manhunt in college. It was that was a lot of fun. We'd play capture the flag over the entire campus, and we'd start at midnight. Good times. Nice. Where'd you go to college? Uh, I started out at Bard College, um, nice. upstate. Went to Southampton for a semester. Bard wanted me to be surprisingly enough a performing arts major. Mm. And they didn't want me to be a science major, but I was like, listen, I want performing arts to be like for me, not something that I study and feel like I have to do because I majored it in college. Yes. And that's important for a man of your craft. It's very important to make that distinction because you make anything that you love to do your profession, then you start to kind of 
mold and it gets a little fuzzy and then you then you you start to grow tired of it and and then it, that's when you start to depreciate it and you you don't want to do that so you know? i was yeah i was worried about that and sometimes i'm like maybe i should have like where would my life be if i did where are you from originally my mom's from queens <laughs> My dad's from the Bronx, so that makes so when I get pissed, I sound like I'm from New York. So he's from New York. I'm from New York. I'm a New York Jew. It's all good. <laughs> My dad was a professor at Concordia University when I was born, so I was born in Montreal. He's Canadian. Yep, I got the dual secrets out. The secrets out, guys. He's Canadian. It's a good thing. <laughs> it's a good, yeah, it's um, a good thing. He gets great health care and benefits forever, and he can pass that on to his family and his. Absolutely yeah, good for you. Yeah, lived there. Lived there till I was nine. It's awesome. Nice. Lots of snow. So you said when you were a kid, you didn't really do anything musical in Canada. You said really you had, you know, we, we talked about you had a Cabbage Patch Walkman. Oh, it was awesome. Now, the cassette era, going to that, and then you said spent time in Canada, didn't really do anything musical, but then mom brought you guys to New York Long City. Island. To New York City first. New Manhattan. York City first, Absolutely. Yeah, lived in Manhattan, went to school in the Bronx. Um, Anything musical there? So what, when I moved to the States in sixth grade, you had to pick an instrument, and I really wanted to play upright bass. Like, that was my jam. That's what I wanted to do. I wanted really? to be an upright bass player. And what brought that on? I don't know. I don't know. It was, it was just in my bones, and I was like, I want to do upright bass. And they didn't have an upright bass in sixth grade, so I played cello. And interesting enough, I played cello lefty for the first month until... My friend was like, why does he play the cello differently on the wrong side? My <laughs> teacher's like, yeah, why do you switch? And I did. Probably saved me thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars in having to buy lefty instruments, which is awesome. So I'm I turned. Lefty. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Right? So, so I play righty. Um, I played cello in sixth grade. Then I finally got my upright bass in seventh grade and learned how to play on that. And it was awesome. And I took jazz bass lessons with this guy, Jay Lenhardt, who was this like, kind of well-known jazz bassist and i'd go to his house and it was awesome played upright bass and then i was in my first band and that was in the city that this is all in the city all in the city i was in my first band called negative 32 um and we played his little yeah. sister's birthday party and then his parents anniversary party my Hardcore. buddy jimmy lester and we did uh i played bass in that and it was awesome i moved to east hampton when i was 15 <clears throat> And I actually brought the bass that I went to private school. They gave me a bass to practice with at home. And I think they forgot. So now that bass is still in my basement. And I used oh, to play at East Hampton High School. So they were supposed to get it back. I'm not going to mention the school I went to because I don't want them to try and get it back now. <laughs> you know, friggin' 35 years later. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so bass was my first instrument. And then I learned how to play guitar once I got out here. Because uh, from the bands I was in in high school out here, which is kind of awesome. Right. And so, you, so when you got here... What age was that? I was 15. So that's like prime time. Getting thrown into a brand new high school at 15 years old, especially coming from the city out to here, we're more rural. I mean, especially in your time. I was kind of upset about it. Um, I loved oh, really? It was anti. It was like, why are you moving me away? Absolutely. I loved my school in the city. Um, and it wasn't in the city, but I did. It was in the Bronx, but I loved it. And uh, I came to visit East Hampton to, like, check out the high school the year before I moved out. We knew I came. And um, I was like, Mom, there's a lot of kids in neon. I'm, this is, like, killing me. Get out of here. The neon, like the, the, what do you call them? The well, what year, what year is this? Let's put a year on this so people can, what, it's got to be 80s, mid-80s? This is 1991. Yes, the year this, I was born. It was, uh, <laughs> and I was like, there's no way. And I was, like, a grungy kid wearing my 
You know, I had ripped jeans. I had sideburns, lamb chops, dude. And it was... <laughs> that it, 70s show? Yeah. It was... I was like, that was it. I had a full beard at, you know, seventh grade. It was amazing. The seniors at my school in the city made me buy beer because I didn't get carded and I didn't drink <laughs> at all. So I come out here and uh, I'm wearing my, like... I had plaid, Converse, All-Stars. They were flannel. Dude, these things were awesome, right? I had my lamb chops, my long hair. And I come in, and, and I worked at Lori's Ice Cream, which is now Starbucks. And it, and it, it was, was Coupe du Jour. But it was Lori's when I worked right, there. Right, right, right. And um, I met a couple people there, but I was sitting in the cafeteria at the high school wearing my Red Hot Chili Pepper shirt, and these kids came up to me, this one kid, and he's like, yo, you like the Chili Peppers? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I'm wearing the shirt, man. And he's like, can you sing? And I was like, yeah, I can sing, dude. That's That's great. You want to play in a band? Yeah, that, that'd be awesome. Be at this house on Sunday, 3 o'clock. See you there. And those are the best friends I made. It's the, it's the first weird, like, big band. We formed a band. It was called Linus the first year. And then we became, um, we were called Chuck Wagon. And uh, that's how I learned how to play guitar. I'd watch the guitar player. Um, Chuck Wagon? Play. And you played bass? No, I just sang. Oh, I just sang. Just right. He asked you if you were a singer. singer. Right, right. Yeah. That's what it was like coming out here. I found like my group of friends through music. And maybe that's what propelled me to do music. It was such a huge part of my life. It kind of like music kind of led me to a lot of different places. But but now when you when you say that, you know, you came here at 15 and you had this influence of music and it really affected you, did you have any thought at that moment that you were gonna teach other people anything? Did you like have any notion of college or like if you were gonna go to school or if you I was going to be a marine biologist. That's, I was going to say, because musicians usually don't have that like aspiration of, oh, I'm going to go to college and go do this real life thing. They're usually like, no, I'm going to be a rock star and be the king of the world. Well, you, you so should, what was your... Yeah, there's, but there's a lot of... There's a band I listen to called The Descendants, the lead singer, Milo. He's a... They have a, one, of their, one of their album names is Milo Goes to College, because he went to college and they had to stop playing for a little. But he's like a, like a nuclear physicist. The dude from, from uh, Queen is like some super scientist or whatever. But there's all these, like, we never know about these musicians who have these careers. And personally, I think it's really important to have some some something besides music to go back on anyway. Um, but I love science. My dad was a scientist. Um, is, oh, so your dad was, right, you said he taught at that university in, yeah. in, in Canada. Yeah. And uh, But he was a scientist. He did research and such. Yeah, I sometimes I Google him and his papers come up. It's kind of cool. Oh, wow, that's pretty crazy. Yeah. Wow. But so, all right, so you, so you, high school bands, everything's gelling, you go off to college, you think, okay, music, am I taking this anywhere? Or did you kind of stop and say, okay, now I got to get serious about marine biology? So I, I go to, I go to Bard College and, uh, which was awesome. And I do, I take music classes there. I took a songwriting class. I took an acting class. Um, you went very liberal arts with it. Yeah. And I yeah. did, all, I did all my science classes and, uh, the school actually wanted me to be a performing arts major. Right, they were like, "Listen, we don't want you to be a science major. We really think you should be a performing arts major." Who the fuck are they? Exactly, and I was like, <laughs> "No, I don't want to." And I ended up leaving. But what's funny is there's because a, of that decision, or was it like a mixture of things? Well, no, it was because it was strictly because they wanted me to be a wow. performing arts major. And uh, I always wondered, like, what if, right? Because do you know who Adrian Grenier is? Yeah, of course. Yes, yeah, so Entourage, we, love that. Right, so we went victory. To, we went to Bard together, and. When I left you Bard, went to Bard with <laughs> yeah, he, he dropped out. And I remember I went and visited my friends the following year, and Adrian's like, he got pissed at me. He's like, dude, 
you can't sleep here. That's my couch tonight. Because he, he like dropped out of school. His parents, he'd nowhere to live. He'd like just sleep, slept in different people's houses. And he got like pissed because I took his couch for the night. And I'm like, get Dude, the fuck out of here. If Adrian can drop out of school and become like a legit actor, like, did I really make the right decision? Life but he had to do some like draggy that. acts before he did that. He was like the, the little bitch in, uh, what's M- it called? Melissa in, uh, Joan Hart film, something. Yeah, he was in uh, The Devil Wears Prada, is like the, the little pussy boyfriend that was like, oh, make you grilled cheese and bitch about your career that you have. Like, But now he's like saving whales and not acting and like doing all this activist work, which is great, you know, yeah. but. You know, now he's, I think he's now reached, like you said, now he's reached a different thing, like where he maybe have wished he took your path. Cause now he seems like he's more on the charitable path of like, okay, I'm trying to educate others Absolutely. on this causes that I have. And I'm trying, I want people to save the whales and save yeah. the environment. So now he's educating. So maybe, maybe he's thinking this opposite. Should be. But I, the way I see, uh-huh. the way I see education and when people talk about it, they're like, you teach science, but you play music. Like, I think at heart, I'm a performer. Like, that's what makes me happy is performing. And music's an amazing way to do it. But when I'm in front of my students, I'm performing. It really is. I'm putting on a it's show. It's a performance. And it's uh, how else do you keep them engaged? And I think I get to do I get to take the science that I love and perform it every day in school. And then I get to go to clubs and bars and whatever and people's houses. And I get to perform with music and blow off steam. Right. Well, absolutely. Definitely blow off. I was going to say that's got to be your release. If anything in this life, you said you don't drink. You said you, you know, you have a full boat with everything you do. I mean, music has to be somewhat of a release as it is stressful as it, well. It turns you into someone different. <clears throat> I, I played at Main Beach this summer and my wife never gets to see me play. And she saw me play at Main Beach. She was like, um, was that you up there? And I'm like, well, that's what I'm like when I play with a band. She's seen me play acoustic. But even when I play acoustic, people come up to me and I'm not tooting my own horn, but this is just like how it, and they're like, listen, you bring it to a different level. You can see on stage that it's different. And I do, I become... It's like, oh, yeah. it's a separate style. And my yeah. wife was like, you look drunk. I was like, hon, I don't drink. But it's just, you get taken to a different place. Like thousand percent. else matters. Yeah. thousand percent. When you're but, playing with others, it, it's a different feeling. Absolutely. And teaching's kind of the same thing when I'm up there and, and I'm helping these kids. And well, what if some kid starts engaging a lot and he starts really hitting the topic and you're like, damn, this kid gets it. And you start bouncing off his to, for the class, for the, for the greater good of the class. You're bouncing off this kid because you know he's preaching some good shit right now. And you're like, all right, kid, keep going. Let's go. Rattle off. Absolutely. Teach the class. Like, you know, I'm well, sure that moment happens. There's always the best that I try to teach. The best part about life is like I was I was just teaching someone this today. This came up in class today. You never know what's going to happen. You never know what you're going to miss. Because he's like, why? I We were watching movies. Like, I already did this. I don't, I don't have to pay attention to what you're doing. I'm like, but you might see something that might change the way you see things. Right. And I and I start staying stories. And I'm like, we never know. Like, I don't know what I'm going to get out of this podcast. But I know it's going to be something amazing. Right. You know, because we have no idea where it's going to go. And that's like the great thing about life. I love this. And music does that for me and teaching does that for me and it's you just got to stay open but yes. i think teaching and music are the perfect ways for me to like expose myself to the world and have the world exposed to me that's i love that and honestly that's the reason why i majored in history because i thought in my own mind i was like okay musician as well i had the same path of i could have dropped out of college and done the touring with bands thing and scrapped it out for a few years and saw if the band made it somewhere the band that i actually auditioned for that i got the part for is actually still on tour with pretty big bands at the moment. So they're not they're not a breakout band, but they're like they're on tour with a lot of breakout bands. So I'm like, 
am I, I'm in that same boat as you. Like, okay, I'm in that pocket of, oh, fuck, if I would have taken that path. But at the same time, you look and you're like, but I like where I'm at now. I yes, like where I'm at. This I is agree. where I feel comfortable in my zone, and I think I made the right choice. And coming back full circle to education, if I'm bringing on people that are smarter than me talking about things that can educate others, I'm doing some form of class here of, of education. It's almost like a master class for the for the ears of others. You Absolutely. Know? We all find our way. <clears throat> I truly believe that. I don't believe that like we're fated to do things. I have like, I don't even know how many tattoos I had, but one I got that was influenced from teaching is I have a sign and it says RLT and Main Street pointing in different directions. And that's what I learned in, in, in education is kids think that they're destined to be something sometimes. And I'm like, no, you get choices. There's fate. I think things line up and you get to choose Fate puts like choices in front of you and lets you choose what you're going to do. Like me deciding to leave Bard and not, not study music, just be a musician, stuff like that. So they give you these, these choices and it's just like, that's, that's kind of like how it goes. And I wouldn't be my dad passing away, all that stuff. I wouldn't be me without all those things happening and me choosing these different paths at these crossroads. That's, that's the great thing about life. You, you know? need the grit. Yeah. You need those lessons. You need the things that throw you off course. And I think you need to choose. You, It's your choice. And that's why, yeah, you can be anything you want to be, but you got to get to that grit and you got to make that choice. You got to do it. Yeah. People want everything. It starts with, hey, dude, smack your reality and see where you're at and strap up your big boy pants and, and do the work. Like, it's not just, hey, you can dream all this. It's figure it out. Absolutely. And, and like you said, as an educator, it's how do you manage kids' expectations too to these thoughts that they have and and also giving them that dreamer mentality that, hey, you can actually do anything. You just need to apply yourself and figure it out. But what got you into education? Because you were such this like creative musician and you were torn to all these things, you know, playing in bands. And I'm sure you were touring at the time, doing fun shows and going all over the Long Island and doing shows. But what, what kind of anchored you into teaching? Was it, did you get the degree from college and education? And then that's the science degree gave you that and you got a master's? How did that work? So what I did is when I left Bard, <laughs> I went to, I stayed at Southampton trying to figure out where I wanted to go. And my best friend was going to Towson University. So I went there and I added education to my major because I've always been a camp counselor. I've always worked with kids. I'm like, it's just, it just oh, really? makes okay. sense. You always liked that. Always liked it. And so I'm like, it just makes sense. And I enjoyed teaching. So I added education to my major. I ended up not student teaching in Maryland. I came back to East Hampton. Well, actually, I lived in Miami for a year, which was awesome. Played with a band there for no matter where I was, I was always playing music. But I came back to East Hampton. Always. 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 And is that music. important to, to note? Is that like a good footnote to have in this whole podcast is that you always played music? Well, for me, yeah. Yes. Oh, there's always. And that's what music. I want to hear. I mean, I'm sitting there today that I'm I'm just playing guitar while the kids were doing work and they're asking me questions. And to them, it's it, it makes me human, and I think kids need to see that um, because they they could treat me like a teacher, they could treat me like whatever, but I I need to prep these kids for life, um, and that's that comes up all the time. And it's just music for me, and I tell them that I was like, music's. Music's my thing. It, it helps me get through everything. But I don't think music helps everybody get through everything. I think you need to find your thing. My daughter rides horses. My son is actually getting into music, but he loves drawing. Like, you find your thing. Drawing, you said? He likes drawing? He, he draws. My son's got the hugest imagination ever. He actually said to me, he's like, Dad, you know what's so weird? He goes, I can see things and think of things in my head. And I swear they're there. And then when I look around when I'm done, they're not. 
And I'm like, yeah, dude, that's because you have an imagination. I've, and and with my daughter, it's horseback riding and dancing. Like they have their things where, and I see it when they start doing it. Yeah, I feel like you're such a, a spirited person in the way that you do things and your approach and, and your education and the way you, that you teach. How did you get the job at East Hampton? Like what, what made you want to teach at the same school district you grew up in? Like, did you not want to go anywhere else? Did you not want to, as a musician, you must have traveled. Like, did you not want to go places? Did you want to stay home? So what was it? I, I lived in Miami. I lived in Maryland. Like I tried leaving East Hampton, but I'll tell you, ever since I moved here when I was 15, this has been home. Um, and it's hard to leave home. So basically my entire, when I moved out here, I talked to my friends who were out here and they're like, yo, remember in kindergarten when I'm like, dude, I wasn't even in this country yet. This was home. And so right. I didn't need to leave. And I know a lot of you, and when I say you, my students are like, I got to get out of here. I got to get out of here. But once you leave, everyone tells me, they're like, that was an amazing place I lived in. So I knew I knew I wanted to come back here. So I came back after living in Miami. I worked at the charter school. And I get a call from my friend saying, hey, there's an article in the East Hampton Star that says they need science and math teachers. And I was like, really? So I walk into the high school. In, well, I call them and I'm like, hey, I'm going to drop my resume off. I hear you need science teachers. They're like, yeah. So I walk in the next morning with my resume. I'm going to go to the beach after because I'm just dropping off my resume. Two of my former teachers meet me at the door. And they're like, here's what you're going to do in your interview. I was like, I'm not interviewing. I'm in board shorts and a sleeveless T-shirt. They're like, no, you're interviewing. Go meet the principal. So I walk in. I meet the principal, this guy, Scott Farina. And he's like, <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, I'm sorry, I didn't think I was interviewing. I'm just dropping off my resume. He's like, no, it's all good. And 20 minutes, he offers me the job. I was like, really? Okay. Um, he's like, go over to district. I meet the superintendent. He tells me to write down something. And I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm dressed like this. He's like, don't worry. <laughs> so I write down this letter to the parents on the first day. And then he's like, all right, do you want the job? And I was like, yeah, but can I tell my other job but that I have to quit? Um, so... I didn't do what normal people do. Talk about fate and decisions you make. This fell in my lap. It fell in your lap. It fell in my lap. This is what I was meant to do. And my life has kind of been like that. Like I've had hard times and great times, but all of them, every time I think about anything I'm doing, it all like, it's like a perfect brick wall where everything just kind of lands on top of each other. And that's the way my life has gone. That's how I got my job at the high school. Some people would have been like, fuck, I'm wearing portraits. I'm out. No, I can't. I, I can't interview somebody. I'm what, out. what do I have to lose? And take it. I, you said music is my thing. Like there's three people in the audience. There's a thousand people. You on already the had the showman spirit in yourself. Right. No matter what. I feel like you benefit from the three man show because you're getting the same spirit I give to the thousand man show. Because my thought process is this. You're there to, to enjoy music. To, and for me, like, talk about spirit. Have a spiritual experience. That's what I try to give. I tell my kids, I may not be the best guitar player, but I can tell you nobody else does what I do. My show is because I'm there and I make a connection with you. And that's what I love about music. It's what I love about teaching. Right. And that confidence is you go on and you're like, you know what? This is me. I'm j you just do it. It's, it's, not, it's not a choice. It's just like... I don't know. You, you just go. Right. You never half-ass. It's you. Be you. Love you. You know, you're the only person you got to live with your entire life. So why don't I live like as I'm my best friend? And why not? Encourage yourself. Do everything great. It's just, 
it's the only way I know how to live. You know what I mean? I, you're preaching, man. That's that's. I feel like that's exactly what it is. And to, to think about education and think about a guy like you to have that job, to get at that like, oh, man, it was just fate dropped in my lap. But think about the repercussion of that, right? Like, think about what has transpired in, in, in because of that, right? Man, they gave this, like, kooky, funny guy this, like, serious role of educator, and he, he was wearing board shorts. Like, he wasn't even... But now look how many lives you positively changed in the last probably two decades, maybe even three decades of you being this person and instilling that spirit and instilling that creativity and all that onto the kids you're teaching. That does have a reciprocal effect that then makes society in turn, not to toot your horn, better. You're then instilling spirits and people with creative minds and your positive energy and that body that you bring to it. You know, you're then instilling the next generation to go at it. That's what I think educating is so important is that you're literally molding minds of kids that are now doing what you're doing. It's a perfect avenue <clears throat> to be me and to to be me, to do it, to do me. Um, I can't, my, my goal in life is, you know, you never know who you're going to affect. You know what I right. mean? And the greatest feeling, you do things for other people because you think you're supposed to, but, and it makes them better. But in honesty, like I feel almost selfish because when I do things, it makes me better. It makes me feel better. You but you're saying I mean? the things that you do that make you feel good? It's not, right, because it's not about, I love helping people, right? But helping people makes you feel good. So you're Selfishly, actually getting selfish on, I'm the same way. But I like, that's how I am. I'm the same exact way. Like I want to do good for people because it makes me feel good. Absolutely. Knowing that smile was brought to their face because of something I did, like that hypes me up. Now I'm hyped up. Right. That Absolutely. made my day. And I think that's how everybody should be. Like imagine if imagine what the world would be. We would be a utopia if everyone thought, "Hey, let's make the person next to us, let's make their day better. Let's see somebody that's not having a great day and make their day a little better." Like We've gotten lost here on this weird track of, you know, over the last, I don't know, I would say five years, decade, uh, socially, we've all gotten lost from, from this technology and everything else. You teach students. I mean, this is what you do. You're an educator. You do this for a living. And you teach science, which as the creative type with playing music and everything else, photography, everything I do, and math and science were awful to me. But you are doing all those things. You know what I'm saying? I guess you're right. Like yeah. photography is all science. Math is all science, you know, it's all a thought process. So you just, it's because you're not looking at it as math and science. And we shouldn't, it's just knowledge. It's just knowledge. It's so just how do knowledge. you, so how do you, okay. So for you as the educator, you being a science and you being a musician, obviously you want to teach more life lessons in between. You don't just want to teach kids science every it's day. the only reason I teach. It's the only reason you teach is to actually mold minds. Talk about like having ideas and like, wearing lots of hats and there's so many things I want to do. Like my, you talk to my wife and every day, every week, I'm like, I got this idea. I love and she's that. like, shut up. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. So she grounds me, but you don't put more work in a kid and you don't put less work in a kid, no matter what, you never know what's going on with that kid. And then, or anything, or that individual in the audience at that time, everyone gets the same. If you don't have problems, you still might, you know what I'm saying? You, what your role is as an educator is to forget about the noise that is behind every student and to kind of just really get through to them as an individual and say, hey, whatever's happening on behind you or in, you know, whatever, 
that's no, you're here and, and we're here together. And this is what I'm trying to teach and instill in you. Cause maybe the lessons that you're teaching them are subconsciously helping them in their other situations. Right. In life. And the kids who need more might come to me more, but I'm not going to, I want to get, they're all my kids. They're all my kids and you love your kids the same. So I'm not going to give one kid more attention than the other. And it might look like it, but that's the kid who comes and sees me in between class. That's the kid who needs to talk to me. I'm not giving them more than I give the kid who doesn't need to talk to me. They're just not coming at that time. So I'm right. It's not, it's not more and less and this and that it's, you know, we're all human beings and we all deserve the same thing. And a kid who you think is okay, that kid may need you more and you don't even know that you're helping them, but they need just as much. So I don't think it's more and less. I just think it's, it's Bobby. It's Sarah. It's that's, that's who I'm dealing with. It's not that I need to, I'm paying attention more to Bobby. No, Bobby's getting Bobby. Sarah's getting Sarah. And that's just the way it goes, you know? Right. And, and to kind of bring the education aspect to like a generational thing, smart boards and all these things, the transition of now kids have all this knowledge Mm -hmm. in the palm of their hands. They have all this spirit, this knowledge, everything. They they can pull it up right there. They have all this information. Has that became an issue with teaching where like kids are like, oh, he just taught me something and they'll Google it and be like, oh no, you, I just Googled this, Mr. Brussel. Are you blah, blah, blah. They totally think they know everything. And I'm like, and that changed like from when you first started teaching, you saw that? Absolutely. And what I, what what I try to tell them is, and what I try to teach them about sources and why is someone telling you this information? Sourcing as a guy who majored in history, that's like all we learned about. It was like that was drilled in our heads was sourcing, sourcing, sourcing. Didn't matter. Whatever you learn is whatever. It's what's the primary source? What's the secondary source? What what are the sources to this information? Like, did you find this from a meme on the internet where it's whatever, or did you find it from like Cornell University studies where they like took a, a lab study? But then you have to even watch out with studies. You as a science guy, you know. Yeah, so they, they all think they know everything, but I'm always like, why is someone telling you this information? You know, I could take a piece of information and I could make it mean seven different things and support seven different ways. Yeah, Right. why? Why are they telling you this? Are they telling you this because they, they know you want to hear it? And I try to talk to them about that. Like, you got to be very careful about why someone's sharing information with you. Is that, is, you know, are they, are they going to benefit from it? Um, there's... There's a great song that came out in 1999. It was like a graduation song by Baz, Baz Luhrmann. And he's like, you know, any piece of advice that comes for free, listen. Any piece of advice that doesn't, be wary of, you know, because, right. you know, they're trying to sell you something. And, and, I, and I tell them to be very careful about that stuff. I also tell them with the cell phone and this technology thing, which is different for them than it was for you and definitely for me, I could do any job. I can. Not the best. But if I have a phone in my pocket, anybody can look up the same information you can look up. Anybody, right, can do the same thing. Playing music, I can pl- I look at an iPad and I play a song as long as I know it. Anybody, well, not maybe not any, but a lot of people can do that. But the difference is not that I can look at the information, but what can I do with that information? And that's what I try to teach the kids. You've got to stand out as you, not as data. You know what I'm saying? Right. And right. that's that's what I think the biggest problem with this wealth of knowledge is, is everybody has it in their pocket now. So how are you going to be successful? How are you going to make yourself stand out? Um, and I think that's the biggest issue they have. Great. It's amazing to have the knowledge. 
But the, the, the scary thing is, is what, what do you do with it or what are you not doing with it? I hate to like shit on Neil deGrasse Tyson, but say dwindling in a sense of like people are, there's bullshit out there that misinformation will literally. Absolutely. It's, it's just crazy that there's some things out there that are challenging in that community, in both communities. It's like you're, you're now as an educator fighting this as you have to fight misinformation and regular bullshit in a, in a thing just in general. And now as a scientific educator, you have to then doubly do this as like, yeah, you know? my thought process, though, is so people think we teach to the test or I teach, right, that you have to teach to the test. What I tell my kids, though, in education and my kind of philosophy is just don't memorize anything, because if you understand something, you can put the pieces together as you do it. A great story I tell is uh, I was taking organic chemistry in college and my professor, I was getting a C plus, the worst grade I ever got, but I also had Lyme disease at the time and it was it was a crazy time. So he he, he saw this and he pulls me in and he was like... Listen, if I just want to let you know, if I had to pick one student that I have right now, grad students, undergrad, and do a really important thing with it with them, like I had to discover this new stuff, had a new project, he goes, I'd choose you. And I'm like, why don't you take what's her name who gets an A in your class and everything? And he's like, well, she can get an A, but can she do anything with that A? He goes, your C plus might be just because we have to test you and stuff like that. But if I put a problem in front of you, you're going to solve it, right? It's you don't memorize the information, you use it. And that's what I try to, I tell the kids that story, but it's so much more important to use information than it is to know it. So when I teach and I keep telling them, I was like, there's a method to my madness. You got to understand it. Like we're doing photosynthesis now and it's not enough just to know the equation, but why is that important? Like right. why, why, why is photosynthesis? Why? Because without it, we don't survive. We don't have oxygen. We don't have sugar. Without, if the plants don't do photosynthesis, everything dies. There's no food. Understand that. Understand the complexity of how the hell did this plant figure out to do all this cool shit, right? Right. And why does it all work? To, how do things like support each other? That's if they can get that. I don't need to teach them any vocabulary because <laughs> all they can do is if they right. can learn how to read a question or just answer a question, they can get through almost anything. And I think. Teaching them scientific it, method is most important. But I think a history teacher teaches kids how to look at the past and make better decisions about the future. I think an English teacher teaches kids to communicate in a way that we all learn when it's hard to communicate. I think that the math teacher teaches kids basically everything because what I learned when I took math, when I took past calculus, it says equations really just draw pictures. That's all it is, 3D pictures. That's all equations are. We're just learning how the world works because everything somehow works mathematically. But that's what it is. It's we're teaching as a teacher. I don't I try not to teach information. I try to teach knowledge and thought process. And that's and meth methods. Yeah, you know, and which I, is I feel, the same thing. Yeah, and, and that's like any great chef will teach you. Like it's not about the cookbook. It's not about the recipe. It's about memorizing method. No, it's all about no, the method. Absolutely. If you know the method of how you're supposed to cook something. If that's the methodology that you work with, that's, you got it. Oh, I agree. You know, you got it. You, you got it. Educators, especially in this day and age, you know, a lot of them being your former students are now getting jobs at high schools and, you know, whatever it is, you know, how do they stay relevant to these kids coming up in their generations? I mean, we, we know cause our generation there, but then the next generation ahead of us, it's like, man, they got to stay above a new generation. How do you stay relevant to these kids? Are they like 
TikToking in the middle of your classrooms? Because obviously, when well, you first when you first started teaching, to. kids were you know when you first started teaching, kids didn't even have cell phones, and now when you're teaching, and kids are like TikToking in the fucking classroom, they're doing planking on the 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 thing, like they, you know, there's all these, you know, how do you you got you got to keep relevant and you got to keep open, like how does the boring teacher save themselves? Is he, is he not savable in this generation? Like, is he just lost? I don't know. Teaching's like anything else. You know, there's, there's good teachers and bad teachers. There's people who teach as a job and there's people who teach as a lifestyle, you know, and teaching's my life. Can you repeat that? Cause that was great. There's in every, it everywhere. There's people who do stuff as a job or do stuff as like a lifestyle. You know what I mean? It's yes. Ah, right. And I try to teach the kids. Do, like the, the one thing you should live by, do what you love and love what you do, you know? And it's unfortunate. So that boring teachers may just not enjoy what they do and it's their job. It's not their lifestyle. It's not their passion. Maybe maybe they passion. love playing fucking Dungeons and Dragons on the weekends in the basement and that's what they love doing. But and that then, would make them relevant. Like you got to <laughs> right, stay. It would make them relevant. No, but you got to right. stay open and relevant. And like the other day I sat, I'm like, what can I do different today? And each lab table and the kids just stared at me. They're like, What's he doing? And I and I was like, hey, what's your favorite Christmas song? Or hey, what'd you have for dinner last night? And I'm like, you're like Bud of the Elf asking them what you just make, but you make it relevant and you make it right. And then all of a sudden they're like, well, he's open to listening to us. And then like to stay relevant, you gotta, yeah, I gotta listen to some of the music, which is easy because I DJ the dances. You or I ask him, like, hey, what's a good song? Um, and I ask him, I'm like, what is what does it mean to do this? Or and you just have to be open to the fact that, listen, my way was my way, but I got to evolve, like talk about science. I got to evolve just like anybody else and stay relevant. And you do. You just have to evolve. And like, perfect example, COVID. We've had to evolve as educators, as musicians, as whatever. You have to change with the times. And that's how you stay relevant and stay interesting. You got to change with the times. You don't have to change the way someone tells you to change, but you have to adjust what you do based on everything happening absolutely and then i guess what would be an oh no no what's something you'd be like fuck man just don't do that like what do you see in education that you're like man stop doing that there's nothing that they ask us to do that i mean besides like certain paperwork things and forms we have to fill out like that part but that's not education that's like the job part um yeah i i don't know there's nothing like just be open. Like, don't stay in a rut. Be open to change. I, I don't know anything You else have to, to be, right, yeah. as an educator, because you have to constantly educate. You have to, if you're an educator and you've educated four decades of humans, you're going to have to adapt to each decade of human. I think you have right? to adapt to each human being. So not even decades. You're talking about each literal human being. You have to constantly shift. I absolutely believe that. But you're a real educator. That's a true educator right there. Yeah, you know, you teach you teach the individual. You're not teaching the child. You have to be, I think you have to be open to the fact that we are all different people. And we can't survive anything if we can't recognize that and just be people. And a kid, if that, if I teach Sally instead of teaching biology, Sally's going to understand. And, I, and it's a tough, that's the toughest thing about education. But you do, you have to teach each child. You have to find something. I need to make a connection with everybody. You have to. And that's what sales and everything. Absolutely. So I feel like it's the same thing in sales. It's the same thing in music as a performer. Like you have to connect with your fans. You have to connect with your audience. It's all relevant to what you're saying. So I think Absolutely. at the end of the day, how important is charisma in all this? How important is confidence? How important is showmanship? Because really... It's humankind. That's, that's the most important thing in any job you do. You got to be human. Right. That's what it is. You have to be human, but what teaches that? Where do they learn how to be human? In 
it's you got to model it. But what if they don't have the model? Then I got to find those people and model for them. Fuck, there's tens of thousands of people, Josh Brussel, that don't have any models out there. What that, do we do? So, so you talk about what's the advantage of being a musician, and that's my. If I was to be famous, the only reason I'd want to be famous, I could get in touch with more people. How can I get that out to the people who need it? The masses. And that's why you do music, because you feel like that's the most direct impact you can have, is when you're playing Talk House on a fucking Saturday night, and there's 300 people packed in that bitch, and you're connecting with every single one of them, because they're loving what you're doing, you're loving what they're doing, everything's all connecting, you're having a great time, you're getting paid to do it, it's it's... You know, well, and then and then you get a call from someone. They're like, "Can you play our house?" And, and I get into a car accident. and I couldn't go, and they're like, "Can you please come?" My son's got a picture of you that he has on his, and his son's like, like your age or whatever. But he's he's like, yeah, he has a picture of you because when we go and see you in the Hamptons, it's like a happy time for us. So I my pictures in someone's house on their whatever their nightstand, like that's heavy shit. That's though. heavy, and that's but that that's like. That makes that warms my soul, and but that that's gets you going. Do, I'm doing something right. Let me ask you a question, a real question to the to the skin question here. Is that sort of filling the gap of what you lost in? I didn't become the rock star. I didn't become the you know fucking MTV rock star guy that I thought I was going to be. Does those wholesome moments kind of like fill that gap where you're like, I don't need whatever that was like, this is what this is fulfilling. Like having that moment. Yeah. It's, it's every interaction that you have like surpasses the interaction you had before not surpasses it, but it's just a new one. I don't know. It's hard to explain. It's like, yeah, I'd love to be like rich and famous. It sounds like fun, but it's a lot of work. Like it's a lot of work. Constantly and, in public scrutiny, and, constantly and the, in public eye. Right, so con- the right. question is, would I be able to do that? If, I was the rock star. Like what? I don't know what that job is. I don't do right. it. I have no idea. Do I want to do what I do with more people? Yes. But I, I don't know if it's, does it fill the gap? I don't know if there's a gap to fill. And I do what I do and have my impact that way as well. You know what I mean? Right. It's that individual thing. We all have our own. Imprint. Yeah. Make your imprint. But like own it. Be it. I, I can only, I can only share with them what I know, right? And I know that I can't be the next somebody. I can't aspire to, it's because they say, they, well, I want to be like this. I want to be like that. Well, don't be like somebody. Just be you. And you find your niche. You find your job. You find your, your way of life. And you can have these high goals, these high aspirations. But the problem is, if you set specific things that you may not live up to, and, and in music, that's a that's a rough road to go down. But to say, listen, I've got to find, I've got to be me. I've got to, and that's what I found doing my music. Like I do, I you're right. I I change people's lives. There's a song that I sing called "The Living Years" by Mike and the Mechanics. Came out in 1988, the year my dad died, and it's about uh uh he's writing a song to his dad who passed away, saying, "I never got to say certain things to you," right? It took me years, I'm talking 10, 15 years to be able to sing that song. When I started singing it live, I can tell you like people came up to me and were like, they, and I, I physically see them crying. They're, they're just like, that song touched me because of, and they'd have a different story, right? 
So maybe that's my purpose. Like, be you. Do your thing. You know what I mean? Well, you I, never know what that one moment does for somebody either. Right. Or yourself. Or yourself. Yeah. It can be an enlightening moment. But as a musician, so so talking about the musician part and, and less education, talking about the musician aspect, I mean, obviously juggling all this in general, just being an educator and then on the nights, you know, you're teaching all day and then you're burning the candle at both ends. You're playing gigs on the weekends with your band. You're playing gigs in the week with your band. You're getting booked for weddings. You're getting booked for, you know, obviously it started somewhere. You didn't just like have all these gigs. I mean, you, you started with a band, I'm sure, and then you solo artist and then you canvassed yourself as somebody that could do private gigs because I feel like it wasn't always... I, that- I I think, yeah, I, it gets better every year. It's crazy. But it started making music a profession. And I do call myself, I get paid to play music. People, you know, I have to, like you say, juggle. It's this summer I turned down tons of gigs. With the musician thing, it started with doing solo gigs and realizing I could make money with it and not really doing it for the money. But at some point when people are asking you to play and people are asking you to do stuff, you kind of realize that it's like, hey, this is a job. And, and I do, I see music as a job. And what I've learned, I think Nancy said this, we don't get paid to play music. Like we play music for free. But when you become a professional musician, what you're getting paid to do and what is what you're saying, it's all the juggling, it's all like the crazy stuff, practicing the songs, learning the songs, it's setting up the equipment. It's making sure the client's happy. It's all, that's what I get paid big bucks for. Right. The music I play for free because that's what I do. Right, because it's fun and that's what you do. But all that other stuff is, there's, it, when it becomes a job, and I actually lo- I still love that part of it, it's rewarding, but it's different. That's what musicians have to do. You kind of have to decide. I, we, I, I had a bunch of musicians talk to uh, some kids the other day and uh, like you got to decide, do you want to make money? Do you want to get notoriety? Do you want you have those goals? I think you do have to set for yourself if you're going to start making music your profession. And for me, it's if I could do music instead of teaching, I hate to say it, I, I would like if I got that break, I would go. Right. You know, but I'm not like I'm not reaching and saying that's what I need. Because I know in music it's so hard, and I and I am making my impact, and I am doing stuff, and I'd love to write more songs, and I'd love to put an album out. You know, you, I gotta be me too, and I gotta juggle. I gotta I gotta be dad, and I you gotta, gotta be a teacher, dude. You got a family. Gotta you gotta you gotta coach. right. Yeah. You gotta be a coach. You gotta be a, a husband. You gotta be you know a, a many things. You know. But I think it all just I never decided to make money playing music. It just fell in your lap, and you, like you said, it fell in your lap in fate, and you kept going with it. It keeps building, and it's, and it, but it's awesome, and I, I'm so proud of making money playing music. But now let me ask you a question. If it came to a crosswords where you did the math in your head, and you sat down with your wife, and you, and you did the numbers, and you were like, we, I could make just as much money doing music as I could doing teach. Why not just drop the teaching? Is it, is it a passion thing at this point? Do you feel like you're indebted? Is it a pension? Is it what, what is it at this point where you wouldn't drop the ball for music if, if you had that much business, you know? The, it would depend on how old my kids were. It would depend on what, and there's so many, you never know, like, is it a recording thing? Is it touring all the time? Is it, does it mean I'm going to miss out on stuff? Um, what, what capacity would it fall into? There, there's so many questions that I don't even know how to answer because they're not even being asked yet. It's, it's nuts. And you think about it, like what would happen if someone's like, listen, <clears throat> you know, like try out for the voice, good in the voice, win the voice. And now I have a record deal and I got to put albums out, stuff like that. <laughs> right. One of those paths. It's, 
it's exactly what you said though. It's sitting down with my wife and looking at the numbers and being, and, and in music though, like I said, we don't get paid to play music. We get paid for our time. What's the time? Like how much of my life is going to, am I going to be able to go play volleyball? Literally all time. But I don't know. And I'm, I, and if you're listening, I'm not saying I won't do it. Give me a call, <laughs> you know, go to my website, hamptonmusic.com, get in touch with me. Um, I'm not saying I won't, but I'm saying I need to sit down and, and, and seriously think about it. And I think the most important thing is if, and if that happened, I'd, whoever's, pay, however I make that, I'd have to be like, but I need to be me because if I stop being me, you're not, you're not going to make the money you need. You're right, if, if MTV calls you up different. and he's like, we want to do some cool series about how some hip teacher is also a musician in his local small town. You're yes. Like, you're <laughs> you're oh, like, wait, did I just say yes to that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, like, yes. yes, please. Uh, pay me all the money and I will absolutely do this. I'll take a sabbatical. But uh, <laughs> but, the, but then those, the, those are those questions. Like, what's, what's entailed? What am I signing over? Like, I don't think I'd ever want to do something that's not me. And I can't do anything and not put 100% in it. And I think that... As the factor. So what do you think in terms of, let's talk about opportunity, right? Because we're, we're, t- we're speaking about in a town of the Hamptons where you do have this like kind of superstar clientele in the summer. Like you could be literally playing some random wedding or some random, random show. And there's some celebrity in the audience or there's some famous person of this sort or some ass, you know, whatever, some pompous guy that thinks he's something or whatever. You do kind of have that luxury market where you're not like, you know, in the middle of Tennessee, in the middle of nowhere, where nobody's going to see your work. Like you're kind of on the main stage if you're at these prominent places, even if you're at like Salivars on a weekend playing a show with your band, there could be the CEO of some major company having a fucking dinner with his family watching you play a show. And they're like, oh, this guy is great. Why don't we have this, in, you know, at our daughter's wedding or so, you know, like you never know what the weird connection is the Hamptons will bring to you in terms of creative arts. Absolutely. In terms of opportunity, there's so many musicians. And I talked to Mike Clark. We had a podcast together. We were talking about, you know, um, opportunity of musicians. And there really isn't a lot of things out here for them, you know, to kind of get together and be musicians, to be creative, to be kind of together in this thing. Whereas like in Brooklyn, you go to the sweatshop and it's like practice rooms and you can go rent it out for a couple hours with your buddies and you can play and you can fuck around. And there's not a whole lot of community things out here for that. And, and. Asking you as a musician that's been here since you were 15 years old, are we progressing? Is, is it get? Is it slow? Are we way behind? No, we're, we're where we're supposed to be out here. You, I mean, no matter where you are, you got to hustle. There's people out here who play, and they, they hustle, and you, you have to do it. And you get to a point where there's musicians out here, such as myself, where I have people calling me at this point, and it's, it's you pick and choose and you got to start picking the right gigs and, and you do, you never know. And like playing at Salivars is an amazing thing and playing at Harbor Bistro and playing at all these places I play at. It's, I've gotten these crazy expensive gigs because I give my all at any gig I have because you never know who's watching. And it's not just, I'm not saying who's ever watching to make money, but like you said before, like what impact am I going to have on somebody? And I can tell you every gig that I've gotten, especially the good paying ones, it's not because they're looking for any musician. It's because I gave my all no matter what and didn't even know they were there. And they recognize that. And some of my, and I'll call them clients, some of my greatest clients are like that. It's amazing how much they appreciate the fact that you do what you do and you're, you're good at your craft. And that's, that would be my biggest advice out here. If you're going to do it, you can't just go out and play guitar. You got, it's got to be your craft. There's so many places out here that'll hire 
people who play. And you don't have to be good. It's just to have live music. But that's not what I do. I'll take any gig. It's me who decides that it becomes a craft. It's not the establishment. Right. Okay. You know what I mean? But out here in tar- terms of opportunity about what space is. There's not tons. There's not tons. Like, what, what do you tons. think? What, what can we do as a guy that's been out here? I mean, you've lived the majority of your life out here, especially as a musician. You've got to create. What do you know? You've got to create it. Such a the the <clears throat> amazing market out here is the fact that I kill it for two and a half, three months, and then on the weekends, and it's still crazy. But the problem is, it's hard to make money when you live in a seasonal community because. When you're done, you got to go move to another seasonal community when that one's done. Like if I was to do music uh, like 24-7, what, I'm do- what my niche has been playing in this, this resort community, right? That's where we live. Well, you're have- a teacher in the year and you're a musician right. in but the I'm, off season. I'm, I'm fortunate to do that. But if I was right. just a musician, it'd be tough because even if I opened a place out here, I'd be busy. I'd have- you have to make all your money in two or three months. You know what I mean? But a question. Here's a question to relate it to small town. Have a place like Talk House, Clubhouse, for example. Basically, the only two venues open in the winter that will possibly take music year-round right. that are that are consistent. If there's 5,000 people in the town and there's a weekend event going on with Josh Brussel, why not have two to 300 people? Why does it have to die out? That I don't know. There's all these challenges, and, and no one's really figured out how to get people to come out in the wintertime. And I think people come out here in the winter to get away. And it's got that, that, that thing going where it's, how do you get someone who's trying to come out and relax, come out and party, you know? And I, in that, the winters, right. That may be the tough thing to do. And when you're out here, I'm, you're, everyone's hustling. Like, we got to hustle to make money. You know what I mean? So do you have time to go to the talk house after and then drop money to, you know, you, you just like wasted one day's work or something going and drinking and seeing me at the bar? I think the problem also is there's if I play somewhere every week, well, I can just see him next week. That's a t- I think that's a so. How do also. you chal- How do you battle that? How do you battle staying fresh? I was going to ask you in general. How do you stay fresh? I mean, you play, you know, weddings galore. You play everything. Fucking bar mitzvahs. Fucking we- weddings. Weddings just, and stuff. Every- that's standard. You don't have to do anything different for those because it's always a different crowd. To stay fresh, I got to learn new songs. I got to change the rotation on my iPad. I have thousands of songs. And I've got to change them. And my thing is, which I'm trying to, which you push is I'm like, hey, you give me a song. And if I can kind of play it, right? I was at the Gig Shack one summer and someone's like, can you play the thong song? I'm like, white New York Jew. And and I literally said that and they laughed. And so I'm playing something and and then all of a sudden I stop and I'm like, thong, 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 five dollars in the tip jar. I was like, ooh, that was nice. So I play it and then I stop in the middle of it. Five dollars in the tip jar. Like you've got to do something. But I think there's a problem. There's a problem with the high school. There's a problem in our community. Um, people don't want to go out and support. Like we could put all these cool things together, but there's like all these different cliques. Like the talk house does trivia night and whatever. But you got to you get a group of people, and these people end up only wanting to do certain things once a week. And I don't know how we get people to venture out and try new things. You know, and I think Jerry Larson's hmm. trying to do stuff. and That he's very much so trying to expand on, like, local businesses and what Absolutely. they can do. And the, but there's, the... there's this thing out here. There's not a community feel because we have people retired out here. We have people who live, who've lived here their whole lives. 
there may be this huge divide in people out here that makes it hard to bring them all together. Well, and that's the whole point of this podcast. That's why I wanted to start this thing is because I wanted to kind of get this community discussion of, hey, let's get every single walk of life that lives out here on this thing. Let's get all their thoughts out and let's chalk up. Like, what do people have to say? Like, what, what does the 30-year educator in the local town have to say versus the guy that's a 40-year fisherman versus the guy that's a you know, 20 year athlete versus the guy that's a, you know, whatever painter of houses for 30 years. Like, you know, let's, I would say, let's go out to dinner and meet each other. Right. That's what I'd say. And that's what I, you know, and that's what this is. This is kind of like the melting pot of, of the Hamptons. And that's why I wanted to get guys like yourself and, 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 you know, prominent members of, of the town that, that have a good mindset of what this is. And I feel like not for nothing to yourself, not to toot your own horn, but you know, you're, you have a great mindset of what this town is and what it needs. And, and it's because you educate kids in the town. You've, you watched generations of kids and, and you've seen the differences of, okay, these kids have acted this way. My generation acted a certain way. Now the next generation's acting a certain way. Now that generation, and you kind of see these trends, right? And, and what do they teach us about history is that, you know, it repeats itself. Yeah. So you can see it all kind of come full circle as well. You know, you see bell bottoms coming back. You're like, wait, what? The and, fuck? This and, was cool when I was a kid. The what the fuck is going on? The cover the belly buttons. I'm like, oh, I the high waist jeans. Once. Right. I lived yeah. It once. I don't need to do it <laughs> twice. Pet rocks coming back and NFTs. God. They got pet rock NFTs selling for millions of dollars. What's going on now? You know, we're in like the know. Jetsons. This is like a, this is it's a whole thing. It's nuts. So to stay relevant with with music too, not just in education, but in music, how do you stay relevant? You know, you're playing all these songs. What if one day you book this party and you're like. These kids only want to hear fucking dubstep and hip hop. What are you going to do, Josh Brussel? I'm going to tell them not to hire me. <laughs> but uh, but the, the issue with music now in terms of staying relevant, um, the music industry, I feel like, has changed a thousand percent. So anybody can be a musician today. Anybody. You can record. You can make it a studio in your basement. Everybody right. can record music. <clears throat> um, Instantly. There's so much music out there. That a lot of the stuff that the kids hear, some of it's random, some of it's produced, some of it they're they're telling them to listen to. It's tough to break in. It's it's tough to stand out and do something like that because there's so much out there. It's it's harder to get stuff done now because it is. It's about how many how many people following you on Instagram, how many people find and and algorithms change all that. So it's not even about how good you are. It's about the algorithms and how you market yourself. It's like, what does that really mean? Right. Like now the kid that's maybe a genius, you know, it's like, it's saying the famous line, you know, the kid that's going to cure cancer is, is going to be not able to afford an education. Same, same with the musician. You know, it's like the kid that could be the next fucking Beatles is not going to be able to do it because he's like tossed around by this sea of bullshit that's in his face all Absolutely. the time. So it's, it's tough. You never know. And it's, so that's the, I don't know to stay relevant is tough because there's so much. And as a musician, you can't play everything. It's, it's impossible. You got to pick your lane and fight for it. You got to, right. You, you gotta, you gotta do your thing. And there's the give and takes. And I can make just as impact playing covers right now as I could doing my original music. Because of your energy that you bring to it. Yes. And that it's not about the, the original aspect. It's about the energy you're bringing it's to it. It's not about me. It's about the people I'm affecting. 100%. And that's what I think this podcast is. It's not about me. I'm fun and to listen to and I can you know guide a conversation. But at the end of the day, people want to listen to the other side of who I'm talking to. You know, It's yeah. not about me. But 
to, to segue into that, plug your social handles because I know you have like a TikTok. You got a, you know, what, what social media can you plug these things so, so that have, people can follow you? If you go to my website, hamptonmusi.com, H A M P T O N M U S I.com, that's my website. I put everything through there. And then, like, you can see my Facebook videos. You can find me from there. I think I have my Instagram on there. I was doing TikToks for a while. I'll probably end up doing that again. It was fun, but it's, it's a commitment to post every day. Holy cow. Well, you can schedule it now. You can do it all in advance, and it does it for you. Oh, there you go. It's a whole other thing. Yeah, it's a How whole other world I? of shit you How have to learn. <laughs> yeah, welcome to the whole other shit you have to learn now. Yeah. Yeah, so there's, but Hampton Music is a great way to get in touch with me. Facebook, Instagram is Hampton Music. TikTok's, I think, Josh Bru- Joshua Brussel. But I, it's all fun. I did some funny stuff on TikTok. I, someone asked me to do a cover of WAP. So I, <laughs> I, changed, I changed all the words and stuff. Forgot what that's the kind of person you are. You're the creative, fun guy uh, that does these things. You tend to make a mark, you know, especially yeah. somebody who's an educator You're yes, and a musician. Right. You're making dual marks. Speaking back on the town, right? Two things. Internships and opportunities for young musicians. Why is there not a program, right, where... Uh, there, there is a program. It's right here. You're talking to it. No, but I'm... T- well, yes. Well, let me tell you this. But is there a program that a student in East Anthem High School, let's say he's a prominent musician, he wants to fucking crush it, he's the next James Ryan, let's blow up James Ryan's spot. In, Why is there no structures in place in this small town? Why? I don't think there is in any small town, we or in so, any town. We have any. so many resources. Why not have the structures? Because... Uh, you're hustling to make the money. You don't have time to go out. You get, you as the musician has to go out like Anthony Genovese, right? Drummer in my in one of my bands. I would, I found out he played drums. I heard he was really good. And I told I was like, he should be playing drums with me. And I got him playing drums. Nora Conlon, very talented senior at East Hampton High School. Um, Going to go to college for music. I And I went to school with her mom, to high school with her mom. And, and I was like, can Nora come play with me? And I literally tried to, if I find a musician, I'm like, come play with me. Let me show you the ropes. Anthony Giggs. Anthony's on tour with Cirque du Soleil right now. Nora's now booking her own gigs. I love it. Yeah, she she books her own gigs. And and that's the thing. And I think, in, at least in the music industry, you can't look for things to help you. Because, and I've been there. I paid money to people who said they're going to, you know, and they took pictures and they did this and that. And it never happens. When you're paying someone to do something... Uh, it's, and they, they come to you, Hey, give me, give me 2000 bucks. I'm like, no, 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 no. You have to go out and bust your ass and you've got to go, Hey, you know, I'll go carry your stuff. Can I come to your gig? And like, do you yourself as a musician, because it's about you has to hustle. You can't go looking for someone else to do something for you. Um, Dave Grohl is like, the voice is stupid. He's like, I busted my ass to That's, get there. He has a very strong opinion on those shows. He says they're all dumb and full of shit because you can make it. He goes, it's not some asshole in a room telling you you're nothing. It's you having to play shitty in your garage and sucking, realizing you suck for a couple of years, realizing you need to you need to kind of fight through the grit and the grout. So right? that's that's the internship right there. It's your own hustle. That being said, what if there's no opportunity? Desolate. You busk. You just busk. You, Don't, go, you go out, you, you get Play your, drums on the sidewalk with spackle buckets. When you, absolutely. <laughs> that's what you do. You hustle. So that's you the whole, find, it's the musician mentality is to scrap. And hustle. Absolutely. One of my dreams, I, when I get, when I have time, I want to go out and, and I want to busk like in Tennessee or in Boston where you're, it's like legal. I think it'd be so much fun. Oh my God. They do it in Italy all the time. You ever go to Italy? It's like all these like gypsies in the corners oh, doing I, all this. So it's amazing. Do that. But that's like musicians that I look up to G love 
uh, Martin Sexton. These guys busked, and they busked until someone offered them a gig. You know, it's it's crazy. And that's how it kind of worked. Yeah. But that's it's still how it works. You got to hustle. You got to find your way. But I also think there should be accessibility, right? I mean, we shouldn't just tell the town, fuck you, no music. I mean, there was a point where the town a couple of years ago was like totally anti-music. Like, well, there's, there's, it was laws. like, oh, pass a law. Okay, this, the bar shuts down. Like, there's no music. Like, Nancy Atlas did a very good job being a very strong voice with the music community saying like, fuck this, this is bullshit. And I think that, you know, spoke to a couple levels of things. Now, thankfully, we have Jerry Larson, who is total opposite of what whatever thought process was there before. I think he wants to make everything more progressively yeah. available and allowed, which is good. You know, it's a good thing. Yeah. No, I, it's, I still, it's in the music business. I, I do what I'd say to any young kid is you can't look to, you can't wait for other people to get stuff done. You can't look for opportunity. You got to do it. Make you it. You got to create opportunity. But now, obviously it's one thing talking about our generation my generation, your generation, housing was different. Costs of living were different. Everything was different. Let's speak on pandemic, even post-pandemic numbers. Let's say the numbers cool down and they go back to where they were. It won't, but let's say they do. If you don't set them up, how do your kids stay here? How does the next generation? I don't know. I, I, we cross how, my my thing is, is that is that are we coming to that road where it's like shit this is now we're in this town where we're boxing ourselves out and we're in that crossroads it could be but there's opportunities are starting to arise for people and like you know what somehow it works out and i know it's like shitty to say but people get scrappy is what you're saying you do good things good things happen if my kids really want to stay here there's going to be a way for them to stay here. Right. You just, and this isn't music, this is just life. You, you hustle. You, you really, really want <clears> it. <throat> Find those, those signs and figure which path you got to take to get there and just bust and do it. It's going to be tough, but there, I see it. I see, I, everyone's talking about it, and I'm not saying it's easy for people to come back, but there's opportunity. You just have to... You got to create your opportunity. Now there's more population out here. There's more, there's a lot of things that can be said about year round population has increased dramatically. Absolutely. If the numbers have shown it in the census numbers. So when you comparatively talk about what this town needs, that's the funniest thing about this is like me looking back on it, a kid growing up from here and looking back on everything saying like, wow, there, we don't have this. We don't have that. We don't have batting cages. We don't have like, you know, we don't have like a, a dim sum bar. We don't have like all these fun. But that's not our community. But like we don't have like all these little unique creative things. And I feel like what we are, what we have in the last two decades, what we've opened up Main Street to is like all these places that don't relate to us. It's places that relate to people that are here three months. That's it. But how do we relate? When you go to a place like Martha's Vineyard or you go to Block Island, Fire Island, et cetera, these stores are mom and pop stores owned by locals, owned by people that are most likely from the area. And it's strips of like locally owned shit. That's what I want to know. And where are we? It's just how money. do we get back to that? You can't. It's like gun control. Do we lose it forever? I think it's gone. Forever. Forever. It's not what like the society, it's not what the economy is about anymore. Mm. But like then it. how do you gain the balance back? Do we just now have to sucker to that community forever for eternity? That I don't know, but like right now, yeah, that's because mm. all the stores here, they don't even need to make the money. Oh, they none of them make money. It's all they break even just to have the store in East Hampton so they can be the that's, headstone. That's what it's become. 
And with the McMansions and the, the real estate and all that stuff, I don't see it going backwards. But that's what I'm saying. Have we reached we're point of no return? It's sailing away? You never know. You that's never my know. fear, man. I can't afford $900,000 for a house. What the fuck am I supposed to do? <laughs> Dick in my hand. Like you said, if I'm, if I'm resourceful, I can rent out here for the next 15, 20 years, or I can take a giant mortgage and try to fight it off for the next 15 or 20 Sure, I can be scrappy and resourceful, but do I want that? But that's a choice you got to make. That's a choice I make. You're right. It's just so it's just so crazy to see the market out here and to see the transitions and to see how people are, you know, kind of especially now, like pandemic market and all this stuff. It's like people oh, getting it's priced out. You completely. can't even rent. It's like these kooky rich people don't want Amazon. No, they but, want. They no, want. No, but they have their art dealer who goes and he's like, "Oh, I got this uh, Picasso for you. It's three million. Okay, great." All right, I found this for you. They have someone who doesn't live out here who works and gets the stuff they need. So the affluently rich, the big rich, they just get people to handle it. And those quote unquote people, those are the ones you need to get the ear into. And that's what the kids want. are doing now. The kids are living that lifestyle. Grubhub, all that stuff. They're learning not to leave their house and have other people do stuff for them. Postmates, right? doesn't boast well for a local economy at all. So you're saying big tech is going to destroy us all? Yeah. Fuck, I love it. But it's like, I love it. as a musician, my my thought was like, during pandemic, it's like, I got to figure out how to make a, I called it corn stream, but you could make money if you could get like a big enough TV, you could, I could do a thousand parties all at once. I could do, and they could interact online. I mean, it's just, you got to adapt. It's all about adapting. It's all about adapting. So what's the next moves for Josh Brussel in the future? We're, we're continuing to educate. Obviously, what? You have no plans on any kind of retirement anytime soon. You're I could, I could retire forever. in nine years, I think. Nine years you have left in the think, education. Well, no, I, not nine. I've been teaching since 2004, so it's 17, nine, so I could retire in 11 years. I, I don't know if I'll retire right away. I don't know. I, I don't know. I it's it's tomorrow. We're gonna go to that Disney movie with my family, and on Saturday I may have a gig playing at Amber Waves for one of my clients, and that's how I want to live my life. I'm like I don't want to worry about because I'm 45, but I'm not. I'm I'm like 20. You know? Your spirit is there, and that's but that's envious. A lot of people that's envious though. I really hope you understand that's an envious. But it's a choice. But it's a choice. But people need to know that that's a choice they can make. Absolutely, I can, and I and I make. I'm I'm blessed. I get paid very nicely to teach. I get paid very nicely to play music. I get to live in East Hampton. I have two amazing children. I have a beautiful, amazing, supportive wife. I'm I'm blessed. I'm lucky. But I think I'm blessed and lucky because I created that. You know what I mean? That's the difference. You you've got to like. I, I don't drink, I don't do drugs, and people are like, hey, I wish I could be you. I'm like, why can't you? Right, like, dude, just stop smoking bongs. Why, why, why can't you? <laughs> You're good. Like, why, why don't you drink alcohol? I don't like the taste. Neither did I, but I got used to it. I got to tell you, that's the most foreign thing I don't understand. Why do people continue to do something until they like it if you don't like it right away? Yeah, well, no, I, I like punching either. myself. I don't like punching myself in the face, but I got so used to it, and I, I do it every day. Mike Tyson. Probably said that at some point, but it's, it's, I don't know. It's personal choices. No, you're right though. But that's the biggest part of this is you as an educator. I think what you're doing, what you're doing in the community is you're teaching kids that the personal choices they make are the most effective and more today than ever because of cell phones without a doubt. Right. And that's what we were talking about to come full circle to the conversation was that's how we started. This was how difficult is it for 
you know, you to teach and educate in this world where everybody is misinformation and online and everything's in your face at all times. How do you combat that? And that's what it is, is you teaching the kids that personal perseverance, critical thinking and, and methodology is how you get to what you want to create. You've got to stand out. Right. How do you, okay. If you want to be this person, that's great. Develop a method. How do you get there? Tell me the problem. Tell me how you solve the problem. Tell me the steps you're going to get to solve that problem. Absolutely. Tell me the solution. The one thing I, my advice, you don't have to stick to the plan. And if the plan changes, go with the flow. Oh, go with the flow. You have to. In this day and age, we all need to just learn how to be more adaptive to what's going on around us because everything's so polarized. Your news cycles are your news cycles, right? Like the people you follow, the people you interact with, that's going to be your news cycle. That's going to be what you learn and listen and talk to and interact with. And that's going to create a prejudice. It's going to create a prejudice. Human nature, create a prejudice. Which is exactly what we're talking about. It creates a prejudice. But it's, can you determine that that was a prejudice that was created because of... And can you let it change? And can, and can, are you open to interpretation? Are you open to hear other ideas? That's the key to it. And say, hey, I might be wrong. I tell my kids every day, I was like, I'll tell you, I don't know, or I'll tell you, hey, I was wrong the other day. You just have to be open to that. You might get some 15-year-old kid that's some scientific prodigy, and he think he's fucking smarter than you. It's, and probably, you, it's probably my son. It's, pro- <laughs> it's probably your son, and he's going to sit there and be like, Dad, you're totally wrong, and you're like, no, I'm not, and he, and then you're going to wake up one night, and you're going to be like, fuck, he was totally right. Yep. Oh, I'll tell my kids that. My daughter's on stuff like that, too. They're just, uh, it's, uh, it's unreal. They're just, they're, they're pretty amazing that way. My philosophy on life is politics. I don't understand, and I don't like it, it. All goes on, and what's important to me is my day to day. What's important to me is my kids get their day to day. You know what I mean? And whatever happens with politics, like gas goes up and oil goes up and it goes down and prices go up. But every morning I wake up, no matter what the hell else is going on, and every morning my kids wake up, and every every, I just have to do me. And I have to adapt to what's going on, but it's like, I'm not worried about them. You know what I mean? Because I hope that I can teach them well enough to be like, listen, you, you hustle, you work hard, do what you love, love what you do, and you'll be all right. <laughs> that's the best That's the best words of advice you could probably give. Uh, so hopefully they learn that. Man. Hopefully they're listening. Russell, you're the man. <laughs> Friggin so are you. You're doing this. It's awesome. You're spreading the love. I'm. Tr- that's what I'm trying to do. We're trying to educate. We're trying to spread the love. We're trying to get people on here like you that can kind of provide a different voice and a different kind of meaning to to what we're talking about out here. Because I think people do get trapped. They do get lost. They do get caught up in. And in- if they do, go to my website. Shoot me an email. I'll write you back. www.hampton h a m p t o n musi m u s i dot com is where you can find all of. Josh Brussels' music, his uh, social medias, all that good stuff. I'll be sure to update it tonight. He'll be sure to update <laughs> it tonight. No, don't worry. This won't come out for a few weeks. You or can find this podcast on there. I'll, I'll put the link. Yeah, put that on there. Um, but just to have you on and, and to have you as a guy that's been out in the community for so long and, and you know, basically you started teaching when I was kind of in yep. the realm. And then now have, having this conversation, sitting down with you is 
trippy, but but is is great in the sense of you know getting that full circle is. So I was gonna say it's full circle. It is a full circle. It's a moment of you've taught me things. I and coming back, it's like now you're gonna teach the next generation of people, or now our little conversation is now gonna teach others about some things. Maybe Let's hope so. Let's hope so. Let's hope but, so. You know, you can catch Josh playing music out in East Hampton, out in the Hamptons locally. He plays literally every bar you could think of. He plays with multiple bands, but Littlehead thinks is his. Uh, that's my main. That's one. that's the main. You know, you got him and Matt Dow and 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 the gang crushing it on a you know nightly basis, essentially in the summertime. Well, Josh Brussel, thank you. You're the man. Thanks for coming on. Thanks, Thanks for, for having me. In. This is a lot of fun. We'll have to get you back in. We'll have to talk again. Absolutely, anytime. You let me know. You're the man. Thanks. This podcast episode is brought to you by the Stephen Talkhouse. The Stephen Talkhouse is the East End's premier live music venue. To see their list of shows for this summer and more, visit stephentalkhouse.com.